You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. Well, some of the words may be a little small for you to read, but it says, uh, Christian community, get out of trouble free. And then the finer print says, this card may be used by those who walk with the Lord in obedience and trust. Don't you wish you had one of those things? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, sometimes we get the weird idea that when you walk with the Lord, you shouldn't have any problems. That when a Christian marries another Christian, their marriage is just happily ever after. I mean, that's how it works for us, you know, but I'm not sure it works that way for everybody or both of us. <laughs> but, but let's just say you have an argument with your spouse, so you whip out this card and, hey, now you're out of trouble free. Or your boss calls to complain about your work and on a specific project, so you whip out the card and he gives you a promotion instead. Or uh, your kids, you show that card to your teacher or... When you missed your homework assignment, did poorly on a test, whip out that card and hand it to your teacher and you get an A+. The doctor says you have terminal cancer, but you whip out that card and he pronounces you healed. Your company files bankruptcy and you're losing your job and not getting your final paycheck, but you have the card, so you're good, right? And you broke something that's special to you, so you lay the card over the top of it You get up the next morning, and it's put back together. It never broke at all. You could walk through the COVID ward and just pass out those cards, and people could get up and walk out. Wouldn't that be amazing? It's not going to happen, but it's a fun idea. But that's not how life works. And we get the weird idea that when you're following the Lord, then God owes you something. I even had that idea years ago, long time before I was a pastor, before we even went to Bible school. I was a Marine, and I loved being in the Marine Corps, and I did well in the Marine Corps, and and I was enthusiastically a Marine. Uh, And uh, I had planned to make a career out of it. I was going through the process of getting commissioned, and uh, God called me to preach. And I left the Marine Corps, and I got a job at Dunkin' Donuts. In the Marine Corps, I was an admin chief, had 32 guys working for me. At Dunkin' Donuts, it was a two-man crew, and I was the low man. And I worked all night long. Some of you kids can't even fathom this. I got paid $2.09 an hour. Some of you older ones could say, well, that's way more than my early jobs, but 2.09 an hour, and I worked from 8 at night or 10 at night till in the morning. I worked all night long. Some days, eight and a half, nine hour graveyard shift, got home, cleaned up, and went to school during the daytime. And I I loved the Marine Corps, and I I was frustrated that we had to leave the Marine Corps, and and I knew God eventually was going to have me serving as a pastor, but You know, the short term, it really didn't feel good. And then Kathy developed a a condition with the, uh, we we were expecting our first baby. And 
something was going on, and Kathy said, do you think we're going to lose that baby? And I still remember the exact way. She said, do you think we're going to lose our baby? And I said, oh, no, God wouldn't do that to us. After we had sacrificed so much to serve him, God wouldn't do that to us. And God did. And it was hard, and I was bitter for probably two weeks. I wouldn't even pray to God. I was angry and upset and childish. God knows what he's doing. And God says, when you follow him, it does not remove all your problems. In fact, following Jesus won't erase life's problems. You're going to have problems. And following him is not going to take them all away. Some of you have buried the love of your life. You've buried children. Uh, many of us have buried parents and grandparents and siblings. It happens. And so what we're going to look at this morning is three parts to the message. The first is looking at God's beginning and ending, a connection with us. And the second part is we're going to look at what the prosperity theology people say, the prosperity gospel. Uh, that Jesus wants to make you rich and healthy and happy. And, and, and then the last part is we'll, we'll look at the rest. Prosperity gospel people only look at part of the scripture. And we're going to look at the rest of the picture. And, and we're going to be encouraged that no matter what we face in life, we don't face it alone. We walk with the Lord. Father, we thank you for your amazing love and grace. We pray that as we look in your word, we would be, first of all, uh, worshiping you, that our hearts would be submitted to you and, and connecting with you. And secondly, that we would be encouraged as we walk this life. Life is difficult. There are painful days and painful years and painful decades. And, and some people have just a painful life. Uh, but this life is not the end of it. This life is just the beginning and we will live with you forever. And so we thank you for that blessed hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for the opportunity we have to walk with you and that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are with us and for us. And we just rejoice in the relationship that we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start in Genesis and then we're going to go to Revelation, then we're going to cover everything in between, okay? <laughs> Hang on, all right, ready? No, I, I want you to start in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to ask you to turn to several passages of Scripture. And uh, it may be difficult for you, challenging for you. And, and if you find yourself not getting there by the time we're reading it, then uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll read it and you can just think of it. I think it's important to see it in God's Word, whether you use an electronic Bible or holding one in your hand, to see this is God's Word. I want you to really make sure you're not thinking, oh, my pastor said that. No, God said that, okay? So in, in Genesis, from the very beginning, God wanted us to be fully connected with him, fully connected with him. And so in Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Aren't you glad he gave us that authority over spiders and 
and cockroaches that we don't have to submit to them. We can dominate them. I'm so thankful for that. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created them. So when the male and female are working together in harmony serving God, that's the ideal representation of God on earth. The men and women working together to honor the Lord, that's what brings glory to God and blesses him. Some guys get the weird idea that man is in God's image and the little woman just uh, helps and assists with that. But God wants us all to be serving in his image. I look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Genesis 2, 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, a living soul. Verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Uh, not some lesser being, but uh, one that could serve with him. And so in verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to man. Uh, my dad used to joke that then Adam called her woman because woe unto man. That was my dad's joke. He made him, called him woman because man and woman were so connected. And God's plan is that we serve him together. Look in chapter 3 and verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They heard God in the garden. They heard his presence, and they were afraid. But see, God wanted to be connected with them. God, you know, the deists believe that God created things, got it going, and then just kind of backed away, and we're kind of on our own to figure it out. That's not God. God put us here on purpose in this place so we can serve him and follow him and love him and appreciate him. And, and so that's what God was doing. He didn't back away. He created Adam and Eve in the garden. He got things going with them, and then he came down to fellowship with them. You know, the way some Christians treat church or connections with other believers, they act like it's just not that big of a deal. It is to God. God wanted to be connected with people from the very beginning. Now take your Bible and turn to Revelation. I heard one old preacher say it's the second to the last book in the Bible, right before concordance. Uh, uh, the concordance back there some Bibles have. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. You start at the back, that's chapter 22. Go one forward, that's 21. It's cool how that works. Revelation 21. And just look at, this is God's plan for your future. This is how God plans to spend His time in eternity. Okay? Uh, Revelation chapter 21 in verse 3. 
And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And dwell, that doesn't mean he's going to, you know, live close to. Like, you maybe have neighbors, right? Uh, unless you have a large property, you're out, then you have neighbors. And, and we have neighbors, and we know all the people in our cul-de-sac, and we talk with them and wave to them. And, and some of the other people on the street, there's, there's a lady across the street who goes to a, a Baptist church here in town, and, uh, and her kids were out, like, mouthing off one day, being really loud out in the yard. And I happened to be outside, and she came running out, and she Stop that. Don't you know? The reverend's over there listening, you know. Well, I, they answer to God, not to me. But, uh, it, you know, it, we have some wonderful people in the neighborhood. But, but this dwell with, this is not just a, God wants to live close to you. To dwell is a connected relationship with you. God is going to be so connected with you that that connection will not be broken for all eternity. He wants to dwell with you, not hang around you, not see you on occasion. He wants to live in your house, and you live in his house. He's going to have a large place with many dwelling places, and we're going to experience his presence. Sometimes we feel it on earth. You, you just sense the presence of God with you. I, I was in a church uh, service in California, and a person stood up in the service and with a demonic voice started harassing the preacher. And uh, all of God's people just prayed. And, and we really sensed God's presence. And that person stopped and left and before they left, the, the one person was witnessing to them, and that person broke down in tears, and, and it, you just sensed the presence of God. And uh, that first time, we held one of our own kids, and, and I held this itty-bitty little baby. I felt the presence of God and the, the joy of God that another creation that He loves, that He mixed the DNA and created that life, and and there's times you just sense his presence with you. But it's going to be all the time there. We're going to be with him. He's going to be with us. It's going to be amazing. Like Kathy and I had a really decent relationship. We wrote to each other. I called her every payday and, and ran through two rolls of quarters, you know, old diamond. And, and, uh, and we, you know, we, we enjoyed each other a lot before we got married. But then after we got married and we were together all the time, it was just better. And that's how it's going to be with God. It was better, right? Okay. Just, <laughs> was for me, so just clarifying. So, all right. So God, from the beginning and until the end, God's plan is, I want to be connected with you so much that he died on the cross for you. God the Son died for you so God could be eternally connected with you you. So God wants us to be fully connected with him, and we will be eventually. But right now, we're not there. Right now, we're in what some people call the messy middle, right? And in the messy middle, there's difficulties, even when we're walking with him. So 
we're going to look at some of the passages of Scripture that the prosperity gospel people, they, they love to cite these. Now, when God is with you, these great things are going to happen. And so we're going to look at some of those. And uh, the first one is going to be in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Um, uh, at this point, we're going to go through several books of the Bible in a row, not reading the whole thing, just a verse here, a verse there. So if you find Joshua, it's the sixth book of the uh, Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Joshua. And then we're going to go forward. What? I left out Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy? Okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Thank you, Anna. So. I, my Bible matches yours, okay? All right, we're, we're good. I don't have a weird version, so. All right. Um, in uh, Joshua chapter 6, uh, the Lord is with Joshua. And so uh, look in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. And so these prosperity gospel people say, man, when the Lord is with you, you're going to become famous. Well, some will, maybe. Joshua did. How many other people were there in Israel that God was with? We don't know, but there were a lot of prophets and serving God and ministering for him. And, and the Lord was particularly with Joshua, bringing him fame. Now, turn to Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. I maybe should have put all these up on the screen to make it easier for you, but I wanted you to look at your Bible and see it. Judges chapter 1, uh, look in verse 22. And the house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. Then jump down to verse 25. So he, a man showed them the entrance to the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword. So because the Lord was with them, they were victorious in their conquest of that city. When the Lord is with you, you've just got to be a success, so they say. Uh, look in uh, Judges chapter 2 and verse 18. Judges chapter 2 and verse 18. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. So the Lord was with the judge that he would raise up in Israel and the Lord benefited him and prospered him. And, and so because of that, they, the whole nation was delivered because of one man's faithfulness to God. And so when the Lord's with you, you can overcome all your problems. You just... Gotta have enough faith. Then you can throw that cane or walker away and just have faith and run for Jesus. So they say on television. They say a lot of things on television. Right? All right, look in 1 Samuel. So you have Judges and then uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. You know, it's fine when you use electronic Bibles, but I love the sound of the Bible pages turning. You know, we were in a church once where everybody had the same Bible, not 
you know, nobody had large, everybody had exactly the same Bible. And so when the pastor is reading and he'd go to turn his page, you'd hear 400 pages all turn at the same time. So uh, that's not true here. We have a lot of different ones, but um, even if we have the same translation, it's not the same manufacturer. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, look in verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. So see, when God is with you, then the wisdom you share will really have an impact on people. That when the Lord's with you, you can uh, become famous. And when the Lord's with you, you can be a success. And when the Lord is with you, uh, you can overcome all your problems. And when the Lord is with you, people will really listen to you. How many of you have walked with the Lord and had a conversation with your kid and you saw their eyes glaze over and they weren't listening? Anybody experience that? Yeah, I'm sure my parents did, from, from my brothers, of course. All right, now, uh, 1 Samuel, um, 2, 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18, jump over there. Second Kings chapter 18, uh, verse number 1 says, uh, came to pass the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. So Hezekiah has become the king. Now jump down to verse 3. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. David wasn't his direct father, but he was a descendant of David. And then he removed the high places, broke the pillars, broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. When Moses made the serpent, people had to look to the serpent to be healed. And so they kept the serpent as a shrine and worshipped the serpent instead of the Savior. So he broke it up and smashed it all up. And then uh, verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among the kings who were before him. So he was bold and he was uh, accomplishing great things. And then uh, look down in verse 8. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from the watchtower to fortified city. The verse before it, verse 7, he uh, rebelled against the king of Assyria. He broke free of the Assyrian bondage and he, he attacked the Philistines. And so God was with Hezekiah and, and, and he, you know, so the the prosperity gospel people will say, when, uh, when you're walking with the Lord, you're going to enjoy business success and financial prosperity because that's God's plan for His people. And it is His plan for some of His people. And we'll look at that a little bit later. All right, jump over to Second Chronicles. We're in First Kings and Second Kings, First Chronicles, then Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. All those pages turning sounds a little bit like the ocean. Here in the desert, hearing the sound of the ocean is either kind of soothing or really scary, right? Um, 
the, the big one happened in California. We have our oceanfront property. But Second uh, Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 1, Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord was with him and exalted him exceedingly. Look down in verse 12. Um, uh, then God gave him wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have ever had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. So because God was with Solomon and God was blessing him, he was exalting him and he was lifting him up and he was going to give him wealth and he was going to give him uh, all kinds of areas of prosperity. And uh, he didn't have uh, enemies attacking him. He was free from that. He had all kinds of money, he had all kinds of publicity, and he ended up making some pretty bad decisions in there. But when God is with you, you're just going to become wise and famous and wealthy. Praise the Lord. Now give me your money. That, that's kind of how they do it on TV, right? And, and uh, some of these guys, they're, they're really encouraging you that you have to trust Jesus. And, and so what you have to do is you have to, to uh, give to them because that's your seed of faith. And when you give to them, then God's going to bless that faith. You guys, some of you are looking at me like, what's he talking about? There's really people out there teaching this. They're really doing this, and they're taking part of what the Bible says and looking only at a little bit of it. Look in that now in, in chapter 17, 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Second Chronicles chapter 17. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoshaphat strengthened himself against Israel. This is divided kingdom. He was in Judah. And so he placed troops in the fortified cities. And look in verse 3. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat, and he walked in the former ways of his father David, his ancestor, King David. And then he uh, sought God. And look in verse 5. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance. Well, yeah, you, you walk with the Lord, you're going to get riches and honor in abundance. You know, when I left being a business manager and became a pastor, my salary was substantially less, and that was okay. We... We made that choice. We wanted to follow God. We wanted to do that. And I'd had an opportunity in business that would have provided a lot of money, but it wasn't the path that God wanted us to follow. And, and you know, just because you're following God doesn't mean everything's going to work out, as my uh, uncle used to say, all hunky-dory. It, it might not be. It might be more uh, chunky lorry. But look... Uh, look in verse uh, chapter 15, 1 Chronicles 15. Now this is one that they use it within the church. They, they talk about this. So in the 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 8, when Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Odin the prophet, he took courage. He removed the idols from all around the land. And, and then in verse 9, he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to him with great numbers from Israel, 
when they saw that the Lord God was with him. So when God is with you, then a whole bunch of people are going to want to connect with you, and they're going to join with you. In fact, you don't need to turn there. This, the next two will be on the screen. Acts 11.21, the, the Lord was with the disciples witnessing in Antioch. And it says, a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And so you're going to build a great ministry when God is with you. I don't remember which one, um, but we, there was a missionary who went, and, and I can't remember exactly which one, uh, but he went to a country and he witnessed for Christ week after week, month after month, year after year, and had zero converts after six years. You know what would happen to a missionary today that did that? His mission board would pull him from the field because he's not effective, not reaching people for Jesus. You got to have the numbers. You know what happened in that day? He stayed at it and turned a whole nation to God because he was faithful and he lived it out and he endured and eventually many came to Christ and he translated the scripture into their language. But then the gospel, uh, prosperity gospel people really like to quote things about Jesus. So in Acts 10.38, when it says God was with Jesus, and what did he do? He was healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so, you know, they're, they're going to heal you. And Have you ever watched those healing shows on television? I have no idea why, but I watched part of two of them. One of them, I was with a friend, Kathy and I were with another couple that we were good friends with in, in our church in California. And and he and I were kind of goofballs, and our wife were, wives were more serious. And, and so this, this faith healer came on TV and talked about, you know, how God raised him up to the stars and showed him all the people he would reach. And God revealed this thing to him, that if you just touch his hand on the television screen, you'll be healed. I don't know why, Steve and I were sitting on the couch and we just scrambled across the floor on our hands and knees, racing each other, and we both hit the television at the same time, almost took it right off the, the stand it was on, and, and we both got the flu. We were miserably sick for a week, and our wives were like, shows you right, serves you right, you know? And, and you know, he was this healer, and then another time I was watching this healer on television, and they have people come forward in the healing service. And this lady came forward, and you know, then they touch you with your, their hand on your forehead. You're supposed to be hit by the Spirit and then slain in the Spirit. And this little old lady came up, and she said, I was with here, came here last month to be healed, and it didn't work, and I'm still in a lot of pain. He just smacked her on the forehead and moved on. Knocked her flat. The two guys there who catch the bodies, they barely caught her from slamming into the floor. They had another healer. I didn't see this, but I read about it. He was on television, and he would go around the room, and he'd say, Oh, Wayne, so, somebody named, named Mark, somebody named Mark who's over here. And, and then, you know, and then he'd say, Oh, oh, and, and I just have this, this sense of, oh, there's somebody over here 
named Todd. And, and to, Todd's hurting. He, he hurt his ankle. And, oh, man, the, he's going around the room and he's doing all this. Well, they exposed him on television. And, and I watched the 60-minute expose on this guy. And they have on television, they're broadcasting what he's hearing. He's got a little in-ear microphone, and, and it, they're telling him, over in this section, there's a guy named Mark. And so he heads over that way, and, they, oh, and there's a guy over here named Todd who hurt his ankle. And so he moves over here, and, and he acts like it's the Holy Spirit. He's listening to the broadcast, Bluetooth broadcast, that's connecting in his ear and acting like it's all spiritual. They exposed him on television. You know how much his revenue went down after that? It went up. Because this poor preacher was being persecuted by the government. It went up. Of course, you know, that's in the South, right? That wouldn't happen out here. Yeah. It can happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere. So please listen carefully. Listen carefully. The verses we just read are 100% accurate. They are God's Word. But that's only part of the picture. You have to look at the whole picture. And looking at only those verses can lead you to distort the truth and then you're going to do what they did because you're distorting the truth. So I, listen carefully to this phrase, okay? And, and don't, don't just blow it off, all right? There can be a difference between what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches. There can be a difference. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts on that, okay? Um, if somebody told you the Bible contains lies, what would you say? But, but it does. It, it contains Lucifer saying, I'm going to be like God. That was a lie. The Bible, when it contains lies, it contains accurate quotations of lies. There's nothing the Bible teaches that's a lie. But it does accurately record when Satan or people tell lies. So one time somebody told me, well, I wouldn't follow the Bible because it contains lies. And I said, well, yeah, it does, but it's just an accurate record of the lies people were telling. He's like, what? So that's included in the Bible. So it doesn't teach that Lucifer will become God. It just says that. There's another passage in Ecclesiastes where uh, Solomon... I. I read this in a book just recently. Somebody's quoting it as if this is their life motto. Because in Ecclesiastes it says, eat, drink, and be merry, right? Let me see if I wrote it down here. Um, yeah, so I commended enjoyment because a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry. What a great life philosophy, right? This is the surfer dude in California philosophy. Well, you know, the Bible does say that. Is that what the Bible teaches? No. In fact, that's included in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. 
and you don't really understand the whole book of Ecclesiastes until you get to the end of it. The last few verses sum up the whole thing, saying life without God is empty. And so in that verse in chapter 8, he's saying under the sun, life without God, it's meaningless and purposelessness. And so you might as well just enjoy your life till you're dead. And that's it. But that, what he's saying, listen, here's the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. Follow God. Uh, trust him. Serve him. The, the conclusion wraps up the whole thing and all the stuff in between it, it, from the beginning all the way down. And if you don't read it accurately, then you misread it. And that happens a lot. So, and then you know the Bible doesn't teach, hey, just go party, have fun. It's a short life, live it wild. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so when you isolate a verse from its context within that chapter or within that book or take it out of Scripture, then you miss out. You're going to distort what the Bible teaches. And false teachers do that all the time. And we need to try and interpret it accurately. So uh, when you're studying a passage in the Bible, here's two questions you need to ask. You need to ask more than these two questions, but here's two questions you absolutely need to ask. One is, how does this fit in the overall teaching of Scripture on this subject? So, on the subject of when you follow God, are you going to prosper always? Well, let's look at everything the Bible teaches on that subject. Not just those few verses, the, the uh, gospel, uh, the uh, prosperity gospel people, not just those verses. Let's look at the whole of Scripture, Okay. And here's the second question. How does it fit into the overall theme of Scripture? There's a theme in Scripture. You read through the Old Testament, the Messiah is coming. You read in the New Testament, the Messiah came, his name is Jesus. And all of Scripture is written so that we can know God, connect with God, and someday be with God. That's why the Bible exists. Because apart from the Bible, you could know somebody really smart put the stars out there. That's amazing. Look at the bird's wings. Why do bumblebees fly? You know somebody smart did all this. The way the body works together and sometimes doesn't work together. God designed us. And, and we can appreciate that. And, and the variety of life is not proof of evolution. It's proof of a genius creator. If evolution were accurate, then life would have pretty much ended up in a smaller group. You look just among people, we're all different. Praise the Lord for that. Have you looked in the mirror lately and thought, what if everybody on the planet looked like me? That's a scary thought. If it's not a scary thought for you, there's something wrong with you, okay? Let's just say it. All right, so... So when you're asking these questions, you want to see what the Bible says. So now let's go back to that prosperity gospel stuff and let's hear the rest of the truth because we're in that messy middle between when God created and Adam and Eve had a great relationship temporarily and at the end of time when we're going to have a great relationship, we're still in that middle part. And so uh, let's just take a look at, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 39, okay? Genesis chapter 39, and uh, 
this is the life of Joseph. And uh, when we're looking at, at Joseph's life, I, I'm just going to back up a little. I want you to be in Genesis 39. But in Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers decided they didn't like Joseph anymore. And the reason they didn't like Joseph had very little to do with Joseph. They didn't like Joseph because their dad showed extreme favoritism toward Joseph. And parents, grandparents, if you show favoritism to your kids or your grandkids, you're splitting your kids apart. I, I was at a pastor's event, and a guy I'd gone to Bible school was there, and I hadn't seen him in years. In fact, when I saw him in Bible school, he wasn't married, and now he is married, and he had several kids. And as we walked up and we were talking, he said, hey, this, these are my kids. And he named his son, and he named his daughter, and then the third girl, he said, and this is my beautiful daughter, whatever her name was, I don't remember. Do you have a problem with that? Oh, if he'd said, my handsome son and my beautiful daughter and my beautiful daughter, okay, no problem. But when he separated the one out as, this is the beautiful one, I looked at the other two. And I saw both of them have anger in their eyes and look down at the floor. Because that one was daddy's favorite. I don't know what happened to those kids now, but I'm guessing they either didn't have a good relationship or they got over it as they grew in the Lord. When you show favoritism, you split your family. So the Midian, then Joseph's brothers decided they'd sell him into slavery, and so they sold him to a group of Midianites, and uh, then they sold him to an Egyptian named Potiphar, and he, he was captain of uh, Pharaoh's guard, and the equivalent captain of Pharaoh's guard, if it existed today, it'd be like the same person being the director of Secret Service, director of the FBI, and director of the CIA all in one. That was this guy's role. He was responsible for the health and safety of, of uh, Pharaoh and all of his household. And so they sold him there. Look in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper at his hand. So David found favor in his sight and served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put under his authority. So Joseph's prospering, just like those gospels guys said, you know, uh, the prosperity gospel, when you serve Jesus, he's going to prosper you. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. How did he get there? Well, remember how he got there. Now look down in verse 22, or verse 20. Uh, so now he's in prison. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. His master's wife lied and said Joseph tried to assault her when it was exactly the other way around. And so now Joseph's in prison. What a blessing. I've been in prison, thankfully just visiting. It's not a pleasant place to visit. So look at verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was put in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And eventually the keeper of the prison put everything in Joseph's hand. The Lord was with Joseph. So listen, Joseph was kidnapped, thrown into a pit, pulled out, sold into slavery. 
He walked 250 miles in a slave trader's caravan, and then he was sold into slavery again in Egypt, and then he was falsely accused and unjustly imprisoned. The Lord was with Joseph. And later on in chapter 50, Joseph said, God used all those things for good for me to save many people alive. God used the painful, terrible breach in his family, unjust prison, all of that. God used it for his good. So uh, God is with you when skies are blue and when you're cowering from a tornado. Uh, Happily ever after is reserved exclusively for those who love and serve Jesus Christ and are living with him in heaven. Those who love and serve him here, we don't get the happily ever after yet. We get it there. Now, uh, look back in Judges. Well, I'll just read this to you. Judges chapter 1, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Okay? In Judges chapter 1, we looked there a little earlier and we talked about they defeated their enemy because of uh, the Lord was with them. Well, here in uh, Judges chapter 1 and verse 19, the Lord was with them and they only defeated part of the enemy. Judges 1.19, so the Lord was with Judah and they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. The Lord was with them, so they had a victory, but it was only a partial victory. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 Samuel 18, look in verse 11. 1 Samuel 18, verse 11. Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. So the Lord was with David. What was happening to David? The king was throwing a spear at him. When I was in high school, I had a friend who threw javelin in college. He came back and tried me to be his javelin catcher. I didn't go for that. Saul's throwing a spear at David. In fact, Saul got so deranged, he wanted to preserve the kingdom for his son and defeat David. He even threw a spear at his son. Saul was really troubled. Look in verse 14, uh, 1 Samuel 18, 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse 28. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. And so he sent him out to to hopefully get killed. It didn't happen. The Lord preserved him. So when the Lord's with you, somebody may try to kill you. And when the Lord's with you, uh, somebody may hate you, even when you're doing what's right. And when the Lord's with you, you will have powerful enemies. In fact, when you try and serve the Lord, that's when Satan attacks you. Have you ever watched a football game or basketball game? They, they have a, an area that's called the field or the court. And on the field or the court, those are the guys playing. Then they have an area called the bench. And there's people sitting there. They're waiting to come in. They're not. Now, the opposing team does not attack the guys on the bench. Only the guys on the field. So when you step up and get involved in serving God, you expect 
there's going to be problems. It's not all going to be glory. When the Lord is with you, you're going to have problems. The prosperity gospel people it completely ignore the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was put in prison for sharing the truth of God's word. And while he was in prison, remember, we love that story about Peter getting released from prison, right? The angel showed up, let him out. And Peter wasn't even sure whether it was a dream or reality until he was all the way out. And then he knew it was real. And then he knocked on the door and a girl said, that sounds like Peter outside, but it can't be Peter. He's in prison. And they left him standing out the door for a while. But John the Baptist went to prison and he wasn't released physically. He was released spiritually. They killed him. They cut off his head and his soul and spirit were immediately in the presence of God. Uh, Paul, remember in uh, 1 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about his weakness and his pain and he prayed for deliverance. Well, you know what the problem was? Paul just didn't have enough faith, let me tell you. You got faith and God will just do what you ask him to do. That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul had great faith. He also had confidence in trusting God that God allowed this weakness in his life as a blessing and a benefit. Paul's life was more difficult when he walked with God than it was when he didn't. It doesn't take all your problems away. His life was more difficult than it would have been otherwise, but it was also vastly more significant and more eternally rewarding. None, unless you do some serious research, you're never going to come up with a name of another guy who was a Pharisee in Israel at the time Saul was a Pharisee in Israel. You'd have to do some very serious study to figure that one out. But all the world knows about the Apostle Paul. It was worth it. He said, I reckon the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So when the Lord is with you, I'm sorry, the Lord will be with you when you trounce your enemies and when your enemies defeat you. The Lord will be with you when the king seeks to kill you and when you become a king yourself. The Lord will be with you when you are put in charge and when you are falsely charged. And the Lord will be with you when you are unjustly imprisoned and when you are suddenly promoted out of that prison. Using the story of David, the Lord will be with you when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death and when you are conquering Goliath in the field. The Lord is with you in your life. So one last turn, please. Take your Bible and turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, I'm going to go ahead and read that now. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12. I know how to be abased. That means made very low, suffering. 
And financially, we're talking poverty. Emotionally, we're talking isolation. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In fact, he did both when he was in Philippi. He's writing this letter back to the people in Philippi. When he was in Philippi, he was in Lydia's house abounding. She was a wealthy seller of purple, and he lived in his house, probably ate well, and then he was put in prison. So he did the abounding and the abasing at the same community. I know how to be abound. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I love this picture. You got the the side of it is the abasing side and the side of it is the abounding side. And he said, I can handle either one because I walk with Christ. In the best and most blessed of lives, we have conflicts and difficulties. Life on earth hurts. It hurt for Jesus and it will hurt for you. That's a fact of life. From birth to death, and and both birth and death, they're often very painful. Following Jesus won't erase life's problems. It won't happen. But trusting and following wisdom and strength and grace to meet the troubles of life and endure victoriously. You can trust and follow Jesus even when your life feels like it's falling apart. We're supposed to live for His pleasure, not ours, for rewards in heaven, not on earth. And you can live well even when your life is not going so well. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the prosperity gospel people have part of the picture. But the whole picture is every suffering on earth will be worth it when you're in heaven. And if you just hang in there and trust God in your deepest, darkest shadow of the valley or valley of the shadow of death, even in that deep, dark time in your life when you trust God in heaven, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will. And we can face bad stuff. We can face difficulties. We can also enjoy abundance. My dad used to say, some of the most kind, gracious people I've ever met in my life, I've met in church. And some of the meanest, most cantankerous people I've ever met in my life, I've met in church. You know, God is good. And we live for heaven. And he'll reward every time we're faithful, we'll be rewarded when we're with him. So don't get the idea of if you, something bad happens in your life, your car breaks down, you lose your job. Don't think, oh, God's mad at me. No. If you're openly sinning, God's really frustrated with you. But the primary emotion God feels toward you is love. Always. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.